0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show, brought to you by the get-go cafe and market where they're open for business 24-7, serving hot, fresh food. Ramon, what day is it? huh Day... Hopefully, you got a little bit of that echo right there. I'll tell you what—we are both feeling the hump. There is no doubt on this one. If you saw is real, some of the exchanges off camera here. We're going to talk about football today, but we're going to do that in the context, in the blissful context that two weeks from now, Mm -hmm. at two fifty-five p.m. The team (laughs) will take to Chuck Knoll Field and give us actual stuff to discuss, like actual, like, football action, you know? Yeah. Uh, In the meantime, let's have some hypothetical fun today. I'm with it. Let's do it. Najee Harris made the Pro Bowl. You know, I mean, he did. You can't take it away from him. It's there and everything else here. But at the same time, what's the next level for him? What is his
0: second year, Moan? His second year, uh, well, uh, according to Jeremy Fowler and people that do lists, uh, shout out to Jeremy too. I remember him being in the locker room, not really being a guy, and now he's the guy, one of the guys for ESPN. But he does this this list that he's been doing for like the last few offseason, where it's a comprised, it's the same one Cam was on that we had that discussion where they put him at number five. So it's comprised of all, uh, GM scouts players and people around the game. Like, you really get that, okay? Um, So, with that being said, Najee was rated as number eight on this top ten list. Again, DK, you said as far as um as far as what's next for him, I almost gotta say to myself, if he's already cracking the top ten as far as guys that are around the league, the Pro Bowl helped out a good bit. He is a name that you're gonna know and trust as far as the run game goes. And let's be honest, with the way the offense was kind of constructed last year, he may have been the most important part of it. So I say hats off to him for actually getting that Pro Bowl selection. Yes, man. Absolutely. How- yeah. However he got it, he made it happen. Um, This second year around, second time around the moon as far as the season goes, I I almost think the sky's the limit with him. Like, you ask me what's his limit, I think it's that. You you have him jump out on the scene the way he did, and you knew he was going to get the ball, and he still ran for 1,200 yards, DK. And not just that, his transformation that he had this offseason, that lets you know that he takes the job serious. It lets you know that he's no longer going to class, and he recognizes he can get himself together better than he did last year.
1: And so, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, what 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 Moan's referencing there is that Naji showed up for yeah. OTAs with tree trunks for legs. Yeah, <laughs> they man. are they are massive, monstrous legs now.
0: And you know what's wild about Naji is this: this guy ain't short. He's six friggin' one. Around 240-ish is what people were saying, and and, and of course, everybody kind of gives uh Alabama flack as far as their usage in college, but he didn't have a, a big-time usage of just reps in college. He ran, and he played a hard style of ball, but he's got so much left in him, DK, to where he's good in the passing game. He's shifty as far as the line of scrimmage go. Yeah, he's probably not going to hit the big home run. As far as hitting a 70-yarder down the sideline, that's not just his stilo. But as far as him being a true back, a multifaceted back, he has that and he's very capable of it. It would be a shame if it's not explored more. Passing game should be just as good, if not better, than it was last year. I don't want him having 70-plus touches. I think that's a little just over the top and kind of... Boring to just be dumping it off to him if that's the way the offense kind of calls it. But him in the screen game, him in space, uh, and, and honestly, how much better his uh, his vision in between the box goes. 1200 last year. Do I want to say he's a 2,000 yard rusher? I'm not going that far. I'm saying he's going to be one of the most efficient backs in the league, whether that is 4.8, 5.1 a carry, whatever that turns into. I can see him being up there, even if he did that last year with a subpar O line.
1: And there's another variable in this, I think, and beyond the offensive line and beyond the fact that the the offense is supposed to be a lot more versatile and unpredictable than it was. I mean, let's face it. Last year's offense, and no, I'm not going there, but last Uh, year's offense was first down, handoff to Najee, one Mm -hmm. yard. Second down, handoff to Najee, 1.5 yards. Third down, incomplete pass, fourth down punt. And... (sighs) Let's say that it's a little less predictable than that in, in all the good ways. What you're not going to see, and you touched on this, is Najee mm-hmm. running up big numbers because yeah. he's never been a breakaway back. He's never been a guy who once he finds like – let's say like Chris Johnson in Nashville yeah. oh, was like God. that. Okay. But when you gave him a little bit of grass, he took 70 yards. Yeah. And that makes up for a whole lot of those ones and 1.5s 1. statistically. Well, Najee's not that guy. He's never been that guy. That has nothing to do with his you know, no. offensive line or the playbook or, how or anything. How elite
0: he can be, yeah.
1: Yeah. Where he can become elite is much more in a Derrick Henry kind of way, much more yeah. in a Nick Chubb kind of way. Not that those guys can't break him. They can. But I'm talking about being that consistent force yeah. where it might not even – the the number that might be the most powerful, Moan, I think
0: will yeah. be first downs. First downs, four, first downs. yards. Yeah four, yeah, four. you're talking about like four yards a pop. Getting that's that on it. first down. That's it. That's that,
1: that, the that's that's him. That's the running back. So I don't think it's about sixteen hundred yards or eighteen or you know or yeah. two thousand. I think it's about first downs and about uh, you know yards per carry within the context of a guy who doesn't get the big pops.
0: Yeah. One topic we'll have to have at some point because I'm going to drop this little nugget as far as what I'm thinking, the way this season has to go for these guys. But Najee and this offensive line and tight end group, it it, it really depends on how they're going to go about camp and how Coach Tomlin and the OC are going to go about that, too. I remember having what do we want to call this right now, either a transition we didn't have a transition from Ben, but a transition from a running back or a missing of a wide receiver, or just getting a whole bunch of youth. They're they're probably gonna have a hard camp, DK. They're probably everybody is probably gonna go every single day. There probably won't be any days off for that five guys, six guys that are fighting for those spots because they can't afford it. To your point, as far as Najee goes, that first down offense where they're either averaging 4.4, 5, whatever. It can't be one, two, or three. It has to be four plus on first down because Canada needs this team to be unpredictable on second, third, and maybe fourth down. So Najee has to be good. They have to get the run game established. They have to win the line of scrimmage, whether it's going outside or in between the, the tackles. When it comes to first That's down a great runs, point. it's
1: a great you know, point. Like
0: they can't have many days yeah. off. DK, I'm really interested yeah. on see how you and Eddie and the staff of DK mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Sports document who's in and who's out, because you remember how it was with us. Mm-hmm. There were no days off for of that group. We might have got a day or two here, but it was an everyday thing. The way camp was broken up for us as a young group.
1: Well, don't make me be that guy. Actually, I, you know I what? Know. We're, gonna do, we're <laughs> gonna do a whole. We're gonna do a whole segment on this. We're gonna do a whole segment okay. on, the, on the on the days off thing. But I just wanted to, to to close up the Najee thing with a thought of my own, and that is that uh, to to feed off what you just said. Third and long is not going to be this team's friend. Now, I know that's true of almost every offense everywhere. Okay, but Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to see a third and long where you go, oh, yeah, we're feeling good about this one. (laughs) You know, it's it's, it's not there. First down is going to be huge. And within that, 22 is going to be huge. When we come back, we're going to continue on with this a little bit. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. As promised, just continuing the the discussion here. They don't always have to be neatly defined and delineated subjects. Uh, Bone, you mentioned the the continuation of practice, of keeping these guys engaged and involved. One of the things you'll recall that I was pretty critical of Mike Tomlin last summer at the training camp was that it felt to me as if he was anointing his offensive linemen almost in a, If I hope this, then it'll Mm -hmm. happen. So let's give – here it comes again. Let's give Kendrick Green number 53 and just, yeah, he's Marquise. Okay, And then preseason games come along and Kendrick Green and Kevin Dotson and these other guys are coming out after one quarter and you're like – Why? Why? They need every bleeping snap. Not that you want to run them into the ground or risk getting hurt before the the opener, but
0: Moan, there's got to be something in here, right? Like a middle ground? It is. Uh, and, and you know what? To his offense, I'd probably say this. Ben probably knew that Kendrick was going to be a center and he didn't want him injured. Uh, I know J.C. Hausner ended up coming up and played well at that position when Kendrick went out. But the quarterback and center situation does kind of pair together as far as, look, you can get hurt. I trust you right now and I don't want to work with anybody else. That may have been a little bit of that decision making, but I'm, I'm with you. He wasn't 53 and is not. OK, because that guy had already made one all pro. So let's just throw it out the window. Uh, but as far as those guys getting days off and trying to, you know, manage what was what as far as who's getting what reps, I'll tell you this because of last season, because of those young guys and because this is a younger group, including Chooks. I know he's on a second deal. I know James Daniels on a second deal. I know Mason Cole is on a second deal. But guess what? Together, they are young. We it's a young group, 25 and is. 25 and under across. Hey, uh, the line. So with, with that being said, the fact that they got to come together quick, I'm talking about fast, DK, because I don't know if there's much time to actually try to get this together uh, with the way this season is kind of stacked up and the way other teams in the AFC have stacked up. A lot of people are either counting Pittsburgh as either third or fourth in the AFC North. And you know, that's not a, uh, a position of comfort for that team. At 3400 South Water Street. Okay. Well, it,
1: it shouldn't be because you might not make the playoffs.
0: There we go. Yeah. Okay. So let's, all the national guys I've talked to on my radio show here in Nashville kind of just dismiss Pittsburgh at this point. So just so you know where their mindset is and what you got to fight off. Um, but being in this position right now, DK, where we spoke about they got to be good on first down early, like dominant, is this. This has to be established early and often in camp, as far as who's practicing with who. And honestly, that starting lineup may need to be settled going into like week two of camp. Soon as the pads come on, you should have an identity. Being in that situation as a former player, I'll be honest with you, DK. I dread it going to camp. I'm, and you, <laughs> I'm talking about if we had had a so-so year, missed the what, missed the playoffs or not first round knockout or right, just right. didn't have a good. I dreaded going to camp because I knew this. Don't ask for days off. You're there every single day. It's probably going to be more physical than you ever had in your entire life. And it's just going to be day after day after day until you start dominating to show, coach, all right, we can pull back a little bit. Hey, come take this rep off right here. No days off until that happens. This is and, probably. And,
1: and, and just I, I want to throw in here because I think sometimes when people I, I, I know from talking to you and to other Steelers what you mean when you say this, but I think to some other people, it'll sound like it's punitive. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's punishing them. That's not no, it. No. it, it it's just, whatever you did before just wasn't good enough. So the only way that it's going to get good enough is yeah. if you do more of it and do it better. And
0: it's it's it. not It's not a matter of
1: yep. I'm mad at you guys, so give no. me five, you know? No,
0: no. It's, it's not that. It's just the understanding that I need y'all to be better, and I need you to be better fast. So because of that, reps matter. Every rep matter. I guarantee doggone to you. Coach T will call out somebody almost every day on that offensive line on something they should have or could have been doing. And I don't care how much money they've been paid and how much we respect them. Inside of that building, the challenge will be real daily because of the pressure, honestly, on this offense to grow the hell up. And this group to mesh as fast as you can. I told you, I spoke to Dan Moore the other day. By the way, he's committed. We'll have him on at some point, too. But just speaking to him, he's like, man, I've heard so much about you. Well, why the hell did he hear about me? No Pro Bowls, no All-Pros, no none of that. But that's because of the way we played. And you know they're being referenced to us about how we had to grow up quick. So because of that, they're going to use the same methods that we used on them. And that is you better work, you better fight and you better be the baddest MFers out here daily walking off this field. Even if they're not, they better walk off like they are DK.
1: I love this. This should have been the whole show. It's <laughs> getting you started on the current offensive line. By the you... way, by the way, I got to throw this in. I got to throw this in. What? I When Dan Moore says, when Dan Moore's talking about Ramon, everybody's talking, I also talk to Dan Moore about you. So it's just, just throw that in there. It's like, I make sure that 73 is fresh on everybody's minds in there, you know?
0: Uh, Again, I always wanted to play well. And when I left that locker room, I told my guys, don't let them talk bad about me because my reputation mattered the most to me and my teammates. It should. It should. Yes.
1: It's, it's It's literally, it, it's legacy. And everybody's legacy is.
0: is different.
1: When You know, when we're talking about, like, Ben Roethlisberger, okay, yeah. what's his legacy? All right. Well, let's compare him to Peyton Manning and whatever else here. Everybody's got a different type of legacy. Everybody does. Yes. Like, just for fun here, like Robert Spillane. Come just on, just to hear me out here. Robert Spillane, what's his yeah. legacy? He could play for the next eight years in the NFL. And all anyone's going to remember him yeah. for was blowing up Derrick Henry Derek down there in Nashville. You even know, the suicide he, mission through the line yeah. of scrimmage. Even
0: if he knocked himself out. That's what we're talking about, right? But we remember him. We remember him. Yeah, you know? buddy. And, and why are we still talking about Dirty Red? You know what That's I'm saying? Right. That's
1: right. That's Tyler Maticavich, for those of you who yeah, don't we're... know Dirty Red Talk. When we <laughs> come back, J1, not J1Q, that's the other show. When we come back, it's, it's Hey Moan. I can't believe I did that. You did. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show, where far too much fun is had between the whistles. Let's do the uh, Hey Moan segment. And uh, it comes today from Ryan Stanley, who says, Hey, Remon. He spells it R E M O N. It's a Remon, is like, what is that? It's like when you repeat the who, Hey who, Moan
0: segment, uh, it's the Remon. Who the hell is Remon? Okay. <laughs> uh, you, 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 you hear the name? Did, did you come? Go ahead, Deca. Ryan, be- Ryan, we Ryan. love
1: you. We'll read the rest of <laughs> it with do. respect. Uh, okay, he says, hello, Ramon Show family. Hey, hey, oh, he does yeah, a yeah, here. Yeah, hey, here. Hey, moan, how much of the success to any team depends on the vibe that the head coach creates. Mike Tomlin's interview recently with Ryan Clark showed how incredible Mike can be as a man, mm-hmm. I can't help but think that his players would die for that man. Obviously, he's going over the top with that line. Yeah. But, but I, I, I want to say before I, th- I throw it to you on this, Go ahead. we see that version of Tomlin all the time. Yeah. He doesn't do that in press conferences. He was only going to do that in an interview with a former player. Yeah. Okay. because he's going to even though he knows RC is in a different role and that RC is with ESPN and everything else. He's still looking across the table and seeing his player. Yeah, man. Who, by the way, laid his body. You want to talk about players who would die for that man? RC was one of them. That was his his style of play.
0: And was willing to like literally you remember the Denver situation with Ryan Clark.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for for anybody who doesn't know, RC couldn't play in Denver because of sickle cell uh, and the altitude there, and he still wanted to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. Still wanted to. Literally Uh, risking
1: his life for a playoff Of course.
0: Ryan, we're just going to mess with you because everybody botches my name. I got to throw that out, too. It's Ramon, (laughs) Ramon, Raymond, Ramon. (laughs) It's so many things. You ain't wrong. I'm just gonna make fun of you, okay? Everybody uh, loves Ray Moan. Raymon, yeah, exactly. Get it? Or it's just Moan. Um, with that being said, though, about Coach T, we 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 talk about Coach T. He was my one and only NFL head coach. Uh, you gotta think to yourself the the relationship he has with ownership. I don't think it's ever wavered in a fashion that it kind of made it to news cycles. And you never hear Coach Tomlin and and the front office, Mr. Rooney and the Rooney family just have those type of issues. So it says about the relationship of how he is as a as a person and how he conducts himself in this role. Um, But you're talking about he, he has a vibe. He does. I kind of told you guys time and time again, man, he's a guy that he's the uncle that'll let you have your way. But do not cross that line. Yeah, he can laugh with you. can tell him your secrets, but as soon as you cross that line, he snatches your neck off. You know what I'm saying? And, and how he approaches a game. I never saw a coach, man, and we've had other players kind of say this as free agents coming to Pittsburgh. The level of transparency of knowing where you are as a player, as a person, as a pro in this league, he's never wavered from it. He's always shown and been up front with guys, man. His level of being able to just kick back and have conversations with dudes. Some of my best life, just, just direction, honestly, has come from Coach Tomlin because to your point about why Ryan Clark would sell out for him, he treats you like a man. He approaches you like a man. Now, yeah, there are some business aspects of it, and I'm sure some guys don't like that of cross paths with Coach Tomlin. But nobody's going to be perfect about it. Um, even listen to his interview with with RC man. You hear some of his, what do you want to say, uh, DK? His his mantras the, that he have, his
1: Tomlinisms,
0: his, his Tomlinisms that he have. But the thing, he never gets away from them. You are who you are to him, and the openness to how he approaches everybody. And he kind of said it in an interview with with Ron Clark. He said he go looking for the guy that's willing, even if they come from the University of Sundust. I don't even know if that's a real university. <laughs> But the opportunity, we just started it. <laughs> we just started University of Sundust. OK, but he, he's open to those opportunities because he's never had it. And I had somebody ask before, I think early on, we started doing the Hey, Moe segment, DK. Why, why, you know, why is it that Tomlin is still coaching? What is he coaching for? Two and words, William and Mary. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And he's saying <laughs> the fact that his athletic ability wasn't able to shine. So he's willing to pour into guys that are willing to give their all for the cause, man. And I'm, this is not a, a Coach Tomlin, you know, just just rally right now. But if you watch his moves, whether you like him or not, you got to respect the way he respects the game of football and the guys that are in it, too. That's, that's one thing I've always gotten from him.
1: I'd love to share an example here um, you, you of you what got you're to. talking about here. And it's going to be one that it's going to make everybody kind of go like this because it's not a name that a lot of people – Talk about Mm -hmm. Uh, Zach Gentry, who is the current backup tight end. Yeah. Uh, There's a special place in the Mike Tomlin playbook for how he handles tight ends. (laughs) Uh, Okay. You know, (laughs) the moment starts laughing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Tight ends, for anybody who's never been to a football practice, they stay in one end zone Mm -hmm. and they beat the living snot out of these sleds. Yeah. Okay. And it looks like Boy, that seems like a futile exercise when you watch it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then the head coach comes over, and he sees that you're not beating the proper hell out of those sleds. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and that yeah. you're not beating the hell out of the sled the way Heath Miller used to. Okay. Yep. Earl. And 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 he had earned the right to not beat the hell out of sleds in yep. practice, I and mean, he would still do it. He rode Zach Gentry. Very hard, he did it in front of the fellow tight ends, he did it in front of the tight ends' coach. But it was so open and so honest that, in a way, Moan, it had to have felt for Gentry flattering. Do you see what I'm saying? Because wait a second, the head coach is here spending this much time on me. That means he believes in me, not that he hates me, not that he's picking on me. And I'm telling you right now. We have seen a consistent and promising progression from Gentry to the point where I really believe that you're going to see at times the Matt Canada offense would have two tight ends and Gentry be a a
0: legit threat alongside Pat Fryermuth. Yep, and you know what's wild about you saying that. You seeing him doing Gentry like that takes me back to me. Okay, let's be real. When I came in again, like I said, his William and Mary background is number one. Him not making it to the NFL is number two. And he knows it really comes down to uh, opportunity. And this is the other part too, is coaching. He knows that sometimes coaching can bring the best out of people and how he challenges people too. So for me, when I first got into camp, they probably knew I was going to make the team even as an undrafted. But hell, I didn't know that. You know, because I was, I'm a lowly undrafted guy. I got out there and got my butt whooped on like the first day and pass. I got worked and he did exactly as you said, he's doing the Zach Gentry. He put me up on the big board in front of the entire team. It was me plus 89 more and all the coaches and scouts in the room and put up there all the reps that I got whipped with. Okay. And he, under it, he put, don't take it. And you know what happened the next day when we walked out to the field? Cause I'm pissed. I'm out ready to prove something. He walks up to me and say, hey, Mo, don't take it. I was like, you talking to me again? You just embarrassed me the other night. And you know what he did the next day? Mo, don't take it. And I'm like, okay, I I get your point. I I, I did good yesterday, all right? The next day, DK, Mo, don't take it. The next day, day off, see me walking by in the work, Mo, don't take it. He did this every day I saw him for about three, four years until my second contract. Every single day was a level of consistency, a level of it was so crazy that even Pounce and Gill and everybody, Mom, don't take it. Like that's <laughs> the level. And it got to a point to where we created and crafted. Like clearly, Zach Gentry is his don't take it guy. You know, but yes. like, you see,
1: yeah, like Mike Hilton
0: was. Like Mike, that's another don't take it guy. Too small.
1: He's yelling too, out from the other side. Too small. He,
0: the ones that believe and got the moxie to get the job done. Sometimes you just need somebody to tell you every single day for three, four years. Don't take it. Just so you know, he's into what you got going on, man. You know what the worst thing about this show is? What's that? It ends.
1: God. It, it ends, Moan. Why ends. does it have to end? Let's do what another you? one tomorrow. Let's do another one tomorrow. So
0: to keep them to wanting more, you know? I got, I got more. I got more. All right.
1: That's all right.